Welcome in, boys and girls, to another episode of Lessons from the Office. This is Randy, uh, captaining the ship as always with my co-pilot, Bruce. How are you doing today, Bruce? I am doing really well, Randy. It's uh, springtime here in Ohio, and uh, we're recording this in the middle of April, and it has just been a beautiful day, and it's been nice to get outside and enjoy the, the spring weather after kind of a long, gray, damp winter. Yeah, can, can I say though, I think it is supposed to snow on like Wednesday. I mean, that's Ohio for you. I'd be so mad. I mean, it's, it's Ohio for you, but we are in the midst of uh, spring sports season. My son plays soccer and it's not fun when you have to look forward to a soccer game where potentially there could be snow on the ground. You know, it. Uh, I hear you, but uh, that's that's builds character is what they say, right? <laughs> but always, you're old he enough always, that... I don't know. He always tells me that He's running around on the field, so he doesn't feel like he's ever all that cold, while I am standing on the sideline coaching, freezing my butt off. The kids just kind of deal with it, and the coaches and the parents get the brunt of the cold weather. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i also just an assistant coach, so like the head coach gets like this like fancy winterish coat. I don't get one of those as an assistant. I just have like a hoodie and you know some other t-shirts and things like that. Maybe when the weather is cold, your coaching identity could be like the one that runs around screaming, and that would keep you warm. <laughs> right, right. Or, or you see it sometimes in football season. There's always that one assistant coach who like just it could be a blizzard, and he's just wearing like a short sleeve, you know, <laughs> tough, you know, whatever. I don't really want to be that guy. I'd rather be the guy that's all bundled up looking like Kenny from South Park. We were at the park tonight, and, and it was funny because we, we took our daughter to the playground, and there was teenagers that were kind of sitting by the picnic shelter nearby. And I'm not kidding. Like, they were all wearing shorts and tank tops. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's warmer than it's been, but it's it's not shorts and tank top weather. But I guess that's that's teenagers for you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I see it at the bus stop every morning where the kids are just basically wearing shorts and a hoodie. And that's that's basically what my son has been wearing to school for about the past month, shorts and a hoodie. I'm like, there's like frost on the cars, buddy. Why? What, you don't want to wear pants? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Shorts are good. Well, talking about sports and youth sports is kind of a, a good segue into uh, staying fit. And uh, the mm -hmm. cold open yeah. in this episode yeah. of The Office really was uh, kind of a funny... Um, scenario with with Dwight on his exercise orb as he could fitness, he called it a fitness orb right fitness, fitness orb yeah right yeah. yeah so Dwight's on his fitness orb and uh he's being very Dwight about it and and uh, I thought it was pretty funny to see Jim's reaction I feel like everybody that has a co-worker with a fitness orb has had that desire to just pop it yeah yeah which apparent apparently that was uh an outtake and they were trying to poke uh -huh. it so it would deflate slowly and he hit a seam and it just exploded and he fell down. And if you watch the, the episode closely, you can see Jim jump back surprised. <laughs> and like, he's legitimately surprised because it wasn't supposed to pop like that. Yeah, I, I would imagine with Dwight sitting on it, no matter where you like punctured it, it was going to do that. What, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know physics well enough. I can't imagine it would ever deflate slowly. Well, according to Dunderpedia, he hit a seam, and the seam split, which caused the sudden which, expulsion of the air. explosion. Okay. And if he had just stabbed it, it would have come out slowly. Because gotcha. the, the rubber on the, the ball is, is thick enough that it wouldn't pop like a balloon, typically. No, that's true. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. So, so are you a big exercise guy, Bruce? Do you, do you love to, to, like, hit the gym? throw some iron around. I mean, can't you tell from the way that I'm built? That's, I know. Uh, I, it, this is an audio medium, but I mean, people can't tell. Bruce is like right now actively just curling. curling I know. No, no. A few years ago, I was trying to get more in shape and, and getting tired of sitting all day at work. So I would yeah. uh, occasionally like 
get out of my chair and do like crunches every hour or do push-ups every what? hour. Kind of alternate. That's your office? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is before I worked at Ohio State and I was in a media production studio. My office was like around a corner and so nobody could see me act weird like that. So yeah, right. it, uh, that, I mean, I kept that going for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about you? I, you know, I try to do what I can. I don't know. I feel like that's sort of like that stock answer. Uh, mm-hmm. Talked about it before on the podcast. You know, I played basketball all growing up, so I still I still play basketball. I wouldn't say often, but you know, there's a group of guys that play that I typically get invited to. You know, at least maybe every other week, sometimes weekly, just depends on scheduling. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I always laugh when I play basketball with these group of people because I am by far the oldest one. Like it's a bunch of people. Grandpa. That- it's a bunch of people that are in their early to mid twenties, and then I am north of forty. So, you know, I can still hang a little bit, but my just, you know, the sheer athleticism of you know a twenty-two year old right versus like a forty-two year old is a little bit different. There's a, there's a bit of a, a gap there. Yeah, a bit of a gap. So, you know, I but yeah, you know, I also try to go to the gym. You know, maybe I don't know two or three times a week, just depending on again. Sure. You know, it's tough. You you know, you've got a little one at home. I've, right. Older one who can take care of himself a little bit, but still, I don't just, you know, leave him at home while I go to the gym. So it's it's tough. It's tough to it is. find time. It is. Uh, but speaking of fitness and speaking of the office, I'm really excited. We're going to have some um, some guests on our podcast here in the future. That's right. Uh, I am riding in Pelotonia, which is a, uh, a bike ride to raise money for cancer uh, research to raise money for cancer prevention. Uh, specifically, it's, it's done through the James at The Ohio State University. And so I'm pretty excited about that. One of the incentives is to have uh, have people appear as guests on our podcast. And uh, I believe at the time of recording, we already have three guests that have hit that incentive uh, threshold. So we're going to have some guests and it's going to be fun. That That's awesome. First, first off, kudos to you for doing that. That's an awesome cause. And Pelotonia is a great event for anyone listening out there that hasn't heard of it. Uh, please Google it. Um, you know, find maybe someone or find a cause mm-hmm. associated with Pelotonia. It is a a massive, massive um, cycling event that has been going on for quite a few years now. And you know, I know a lot of people have ridden in in the past. Um, they've done it virtual. I think the last year or so, instead of having everybody ride together, but just a, a huge event in Central Ohio that is associated with Ohio State's um, Wexner Medical Center and like Bruce, mm-hmm. the James Cancer Cancer Center at OS. So yeah, kudos to you for doing that. That's that's super. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You can ride different different distances, and so I'm doing the 50 mile ride. And uh, if if enough people donate, I'm gonna up my mileage to the longer rides. But honestly, I'm hoping people are not generous because <laughs> to the point we were just making, it's it's with kids. It's hard to yeah <laughs> hard right. to find time to work out, and so I'm. I think I can get to 50 miles pretty easily. Not easily, but I think I can get to 50 miles without too much pain. But right. the next jump is 80 and then 100. And that, so. That's what I was going to ask. What, what is the longest length that one can do in Pelotonia? Is it 100 uh, or more than that, is it? Two-something. Man, that, that's that's crazy to me. That's yeah, my longest ride at one time was 109 miles in one day. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was rough. Um, the <laughs> it's, it's not so much the physical like it, it's definitely the physical exertion but it's it ends up also really being your butt like just being able to sit on the seat for that long sure because you sure. end up this is probably too much information but you end up 
getting sore down there, I'll just say. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can imagine. I yeah. can imagine. So, so that's, that's definitely one of the more difficult um, parts, aspects of, of cycling that long for somebody yeah. that isn't able to get out there every day or every weekend to cycle super long distances. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned bike riding too, because just the last summer, my family and I went to the beach for vacation and the condo that we stayed in had bicycles basically as part of the condo, like out on the deck so you can ride them around, you know, take them to the beach, ride them on the boardwalk, whatever. And I was like, ah, oh, sweet bikes. You know, I haven't rode a bike in literally 30 years probably. I'm like, I was just going to hop on this bike and like, you know, just ride up and down the street and ride to the mm-hmm. beach you know, once. And, you know, like the phrase, oh, it's just like riding a bike. You know, you get back on and ride it. I pretty much forgot how to ride a bike. Like it, <laughs> it was, it was scary. I did it once and I was like, nah, you know what? It's a hundred degrees. I'm just going to get in my car and drive anywhere I need to go. I mean, I wouldn't say that I was dangerously terrible at this, but I forgot basically how to ride a bike, which made me embarrassed for myself. And I didn't really tell anybody else about it when I got back after that first time. I was just like, you know, the bike's not that good. Well, it's not for everybody. Right. I mean, I have no problem with it. And the funny thing is, I, I feel like from a hereditary standpoint, I've passed this on to my son because he doesn't, he's 10 years old and doesn't know how to ride a bike. Really? Yeah. He's just never really had an interest in it. Um, the The area that we live in, we live in like a townhome community. So there's not a lot of like bike riding sure. going on through like a neighborhood or anything like that. So he's just never really had a desire to ride one. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever click where just one day he'll be like, oh, I want to learn how to ride a bike. But he's really expressed no interest in it either. So, yeah, no idea how to ride a bike. Wow. That's yeah. strange to think about. It is. It is. I mean, people that are our age, I'm sure we, well, you still ride a bike. But I mean, as mm-hmm. kids, that's how we got anywhere. We rode our bike. Yeah, I was, I'm writing thank you notes to some of my donors right now, and, and I just wrote a thank you to a friend of mine that he and I were friends in middle school. We used to ride our bikes all over yeah. town together. We'd go yeah. to the comic book store, then we'd ride mm-hmm. to Taco Bell. And, right. And so, like, yeah, that was that was not only how you got places, it was how you bonded. That was, you know, just part of life. It's how you explored yeah. your town, your community. In in where I grew up in the western Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area, very, very hilly so it was always usually like one, you know, riding a bike to a friend's house. One way you basically had to get off and just push your bike up a giant hill. <laughs> and that, that was terrible. But then coming home, you got to ride down the hill nice and fast. So there was always that like give and take a little bit. Sure. I probably didn't ride a bike, you know, as much as I, I could have or should have just because it was a pain in the butt, you know, right. and figuratively to ride your bike around Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, let's let's jump right into this episode. Uh, yeah. So this is season two, episode eight. It's called Performance Review. It was directed by Paul Feig, but it was written by Greg Daniels and Larry Wilmore. You'll recognize some of those names. Yeah. Uh, synopsis is, it's a company-wide performance review day, and Michael's trying to use one of his one-on-one sessions. The synopsis is, it's company-wide performance review day, and Michael's trying to use his one-on-one sessions with his subordinates to get advice on his relationship with Jan. And I'm doing the air quotes on relationship. Yeah, definite, definite air quotes there, yes. You know, as as always, there are a lot of fun subplots and things going on in the background. And uh, let's jump right into the performance reviews. We see Michael doing a number of performance reviews right off the bat. He starts with Pam. Uh, he uh, jumps into Stanley's. Uh, Angela's is fantastic. Yes, it is. Yeah, I just, uh, of those three that, that they kind of started with, uh, which one was your favorite and why? Oh, I think it was definitely Stanley's 
because you can tell Stanley has absolutely zero interest in what Michael is trying to talk about in regards to his relationship with Jan. But it's it's a different side of Stanley that we don't see very often. You know, usually he's sort of like the quiet, grumpy guy. But you can tell he's being all sort of upbeat and perky and being like, you know, let's listen to that voicemail again. And he's like, you can hear the pauses in her message. And Michael asks, you know, he's so wise, you know, where, where did you learn this? With what Stanley replies, you know, on the streets, you know, in, in the ghetto is where I learned this. And I, I found that so funny, even watching it over this past week in prep for this. I, mean, I laughed out loud when he said that, because, you know, you've gotten that a couple of times from Stanley, maybe a couple of times from Daryl from the warehouse trying to teach Michael about, you know, being from the streets again, using air quotes there. Right, and I, I love uh, Stanley's cutaway in that scene where he goes back to his completely like, flat <laughs> yeah. affect. It's right. all about my bonus. That's that's right, that's right. But, you know, we've talked about, you know, these readiness competencies. Mm -hmm. Think about really what Michael is doing here. It's an utter lack of just communicating effectively. So, the you know, the readiness competency that we talk about often is communicating effectively, but this is a really good example of what not to do in that situation because he's doing the opposite. You know, he's there supposedly giving performance reviews and he's just turned this into a complete mockery. You see it at the beginning with Pam's as well, where, you know, Pam even says going into it in sort of a cutaway that she has no idea what to expect, you know, because just crazy things happen in these performance reviews. And, you know, she sits down and Michael immediately starts talking about, you know, you're a woman, Pam, and let's go into this and that and, you know, listen to this this voicemail from Jan. Yeah, I, he, I like how he starts that out. Pam, you are trustworthy and a woman. And you see her face, like, go up <laughs> right. when he says trustworthy, like, oh, is this going to be real? And then he says, and a woman. And she's and like, woman. oh, crap, what is, what's yeah. going on here? Right, right. She knows what's coming immediately, immediately. Yeah. So that lack of communication is definitely there. And, and you mentioned you, Pam, you have Stanley, and you have Angela. Angela doesn't even get a performance review at all. It's basically, you were adequate or satisfactory or whatever, and he just slams the door in Angela's face because Jan was on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do you think, Bruce, about sort of the interaction there between Jan and Michael in terms of communication? Because there's there's really a disconnect on the communication there between the two of them. Uh, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Michael, the whole episode, and, you know, honestly throughout the whole series, but specifically in this episode, he's listening to hear what he wants to hear. He's not listening to actually hear what's being said. He's only listening for affirmation that what he thinks of or how he perceives things is accurate. And communication of any kind, but, but in this case, professional communication, you need to be good about listening not just for what you want to hear, but for the, but for what the individual is actually saying. So um, that means trying to remove your bias. That means trying to remove your hopes. That means trying to remove your own perspective and really listening uh, without judgment and without mm -hmm. uh, feeling yeah. hurt or challenged if somebody says something that you don't agree with or have a different opinion about. And, and Michael doesn't do that ever, but especially right now uh, when it comes to his romantic lack of love life and so uh right so so that whole interaction he's listening for jan to, to give some indication that she's into him and she keeps saying we need to keep this professional we need to keep this mm -hmm. professional yep. we're not going to yep. talk about that and so michael's not really applying logic here either so in addition to being bad communication by not listening well he's not using his logic to say 
okay, maybe the workplace is not the best place to have this conversation. Or she is saying a lot of things that indicate she doesn't want to have this conversation at all. Mm-hmm. And and so he's not he's he's not communicating well and he's not applying logic well. Yeah, if we look at that idea of applying logic, in this instance, Jan is doing a great job of it. She's setting very clear boundaries. She's letting Michael know exactly what they will be talking about. There will be nothing spoken about things that happened with them previously. This is going to be very professional. It will be, you know, A, B, and C, and they're just going to knock it out real quick there. So Jan is applying logic to this situation, but as you said, we're not seeing that at all from Michael. Right, and we never do, so it's not a surprise. And no. and as we've said a number of times, that's what makes this show great. <laughs> you know, if if everybody did what they were supposed to do, it would be a very boring show. Uh, so definitely right. appreciate the writers coming up with this stuff. Yeah, we, we wouldn't have a podcast if it was just, you know, a boring, normal show. But, but we also see in terms of communicating effectively, you know, we see some blunt communication from Jan towards the end of the episode where she's telling Michael specifically some things about him that maybe people haven't spoken to Michael before. She says that he's obnoxious, that he's rude, that he's stupid, that he's inconsiderate. I mean, she really lays it on thick there at the end of that episode in terms of communicating. So while we didn't see really great communication from Michael, we see some very clear, very communication from Jan. Well, and and she doesn't lead with that which i think is fantastic you know she she escalates her language in an appropriate it's like a bird right outside my window she escalates her language in like an appropriate way so uh she starts out by saying you know we're only we're going to keep this professional we're not going to discuss anything outside of you know work and she sticks to that for a little bit and then she becomes more intentional and forceful with her language when she is able to tell michael's not getting it Uh, Mm -hmm. so again she's she's actually communicating well she's assessing how her message is being received and in this case it's not and so then she alters her language she increases her language she becomes more to the point uh so so as you were saying like using that blunt language right at the end of the episode she has continued to escalate to that point and some people will try and lead with that bluntness and that can oftentimes backfire because people don't receive that well when you're that mm-hmm. blunt typically. Oh, so, for so sure. Jan does a good job of assessing the recipient and assessing how they're receiving it and then changing her language accordingly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is something, as you said, we, we it's just a continued failure from Michael in that regard. Mm-hmm. Jan really is trying to be as professional as she can. She's in a position of power over Michael, you know, being his boss, being more from the corporate offices, where she's making a special trip to the Scranton branch from New York to see these performance reviews. And then this even, I don't want to say evolves, it's maybe devolves into a meeting that we see in the conference room where out of nowhere, they bring out this suggestion box that is full of just completely off the wall things that you know serve no purpose whatsoever and in the long run really ends up backfiring because someone writes in the suggestion box, don't sleep with your boss. Right. So that that suggestion box meeting, you know, we don't we don't see of this box, we don't hear of this box at all through the entire series up to this point. And then all of a sudden, and I think Michael even catches it too when he goes up to Pam and almost whispers, you know, do we still have that suggestion box? What did we do with that? And Pam says something like, "Oh, you know, I I remember that thing from when I first started here." So, who knows where they dug this thing out from? It was probably covered in dust and you can see people, you know, putting putting things in there and even Michael says, which I which again, I laughed out loud. 
he again announces that they're going to have this meeting and people could put their constructive compliments into the suggestion box, which, you know, I, I don't think that's a thing. It's not. And it's funny because I keep going back to Kelly because it's funny because her personality as Kelly Kapoor has not really blossomed yet in the show. Mm -hmm. And so she's she's relatively like monotone and dry and she hasn't become this like very vivacious, expressive person yet uh, in the show. So it's kind of funny to see that. But I want to back up a little bit. You were talking about the dynamics between um, between. Michael and Jan, how she is his boss and he is a subordinate. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about the performance reviews where he is the boss and his subordinates have to kind of put up with his shtick. So we're looking at, at Michael from two different perspectives here. As an employee reporting to somebody and as somebody that's being reported to. Mm-hmm. And so Jan can deal with Michael in ways that his subordinates can't. So where Jan can get more bold and blunt with her language, his subordinates right. end up kind of going along with it, uh, with his, his shenanigans and his, his weirdness and his, his, you know, whatever rabbit hole he's going down. Because as the subordinate, their jobs are dependent on him and him not firing them. So it's really interesting to think about how uh, you might be able to, as an employee, communicate to a boss that keeps going off topic during a performance review uh, it'd be interesting to think about how you could try and spring them back to the performance review and get them to stay on topic. With Michael, I think that would probably be a lost cause, and I'm sure there are some yeah. real-life examples like that. Uh, but for maybe a boss that's just not really good at staying on topic, do you have any thoughts or recommendations for how an employee could get them to bring it back in a professional but not like off-putting way? Right. Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I'm sure for anybody who is a subordinate of Michael, that is nearly impossible. But, you know, I would think for a lot of us, I know I've had performance reviews in the past, the ones that, you know, we use in my current job, it's a uh, form that you fill out, you know, your supervisor fills out. So it's some sort of document that you can both be looking at. If you have the, I guess, if you have the ability to have a document like that, where you can refer back to something and say, for example, oh, I see in this section, about communication, you say that I communicate well, but my constructive, you know, criticism is this, you know. So if there's something tangible that you can point to, like a document or some sort of form that your supervisor has submitted that maybe has some, you know, points of feedback on it, I think that would be a good way to steer the conversation back because you can refer to something tangible. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that sort of form, I think it's more just the verbal cues you're giving you could say something along the lines of, oh, you know, that's a good story, but, you know, let's get back on topic. I'm sure you have other people that you need to meet with, so I don't want to take other people's time. You know, let's let's talk about the next section or let's talk about, you know, this specific thing. I think that would be good, but like you said, Bruce, you know, with Michael, that that could be a lost cause totally. Yeah, and I when I worked for a company, it was a smaller company that didn't have really a structured performance review, and, and what I would do is I would kind of a couple weeks before the meeting – make a list, and I, I might add to this throughout the year, but make a list of some of the bigger projects I'd worked on. Oh, uh, sometimes idea. I would identify some goals for the upcoming year, you know, one or two goals. That way, if we got to a point in the performance review where it didn't feel structured enough or didn't feel like I was getting anything from it, I could share that information and say, hey, I worked on this project. I thought it went really well. What, was your, what were your thoughts on it? Um, and so it kind of gave me some I didn't ever lead with that, but it was a nice nice to have with me because I could always go to it if I felt the review was lagging. So I felt like that was helpful to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was something that I, I mo- mostly kept in my back pocket. Uh, but it also helped me prepare for the performance review because a lot of the stuff that I was thinking about 
my boss had been thinking about too in preparation for the performance review. So I do encourage people to kind of do something along those lines so you're not just going into a performance review cold. Um, every company does them differently. Some have a lot of structure, right, some don't. Right. And so I think just putting some thought into it is, is always very helpful. Well, and we see this, and again, it's an extreme case because this is the office that we're talking about here, but Dwight has a whole presentation and a binder and charts prepared for his performance review where he's pointing out you know, that he's never late, that he's there on holidays, that he's coming in because he has a key and nobody else should, which Jan immediately says, that's a serious offense. So he changes the subject very quickly. But again, it's to your point, Bruce, he was prepared. It's a silly example, but he was prepared and he was showing maybe not exactly how he was a good employee, but how he was a better employee than other people. And he was comparing him himself to others and saying he was never late, which brings us as well to sort of the prank of the episode as well. Uh, Dwight not knowing what day of the week it was. That's true. And, and I feel like this prank really lends additional credibility to the theory that Jim is the villain because yeah, for sure. Jim, Jim was literally doing something that could have terminated Dwight's career. It could have ended, mm -hmm. you know, or it could have negatively impacted his job, his livelihood. And, and he just kind of did it so nonchalantly and, and with no restraint. No, none at all. And this is another example too of a, of a prank that we see that is sort of like a, like a long play because it, he had to set this up throughout the entire day. It wasn't just a one-off, like puncturing the exercise ball at the beginning. It was, you know, he, he found out about Dwight not knowing what day it was. He did like a fake phone call to his friend. He brought Pam in on it. So th there was a variety of things that led to pulling off this prank in its entirety. And, and again, we're not seeing it the entire day, but it seems like Jim is spending a lot of his energy during that day on the prank. But yeah, what we do see, we do see Dwight show up late on Friday because he thought it was the wrong day. And so he's running in yelling, I'm here, I'm here. And right, Michael right. Michael even makes a comment about like, oh, never late. My, you know. Well, what, what I even find funny about that was, if I remember correctly, it was like the middle of the day. It wasn't, it wasn't like Dwight was like a half hour late or 20 minutes late. It was like lunchtime or like, you know, 11, 10 a.m., something like that. It wasn't it wasn't that like Dwight rolled over and was like, oh, man, I mean, it, it, he missed like half a day, which I find pretty crazy. And then, like you said, Bruce, he's running in like, you know, shirt and, you know, pants like half on, half off, you know, running in from his car. I feel like we should count the number of episodes that Dwight appears in some state of undress because I feel mm -hmm. like it happens a decent amount. It does. It does. I feel like we, we see him in his undershirt or without pants on at least once a season. Right, right. Sometimes you get the the scenes on Shroot Beat Farm where he's in different clothes as well or maybe doing some work. Anyway, I think that about wraps it up for the day. Uh, do you have any anything, any fun facts that you want to hit on or any, any final thoughts? I don't think so. I think we hit everything pretty good today. I we, we also learned, I think, in this episode in the suggestion box scene that Michael maybe has some BO and bad coffee breath. So that's something that, you know, has not been discussed at all in the, in the series thus far. And I can't really recall it coming up very often in the future. But some interesting observations from people about Michael's um, smell or lack thereof in some areas. Yeah, and I'm going to share a fun fact from... Uh... 
the Phantom, the office, Thunderpedia, as they call it. Uh, so when Jan first arrives and Michael reaches out to shake her hand as she's turning and his hand brushes her boob, that was an actual accident. Like, it wasn't scripted. Oh, and they nice. just thought it was funny, so they left it in because it seemed <laughs> like a very Michael thing to do. <laughs> that would be, yeah. That was a very awkward interaction. And then I think later on, doesn't he also smell her and ask what sort of perfume? Yes. Or something yes. like that. I have a professional question. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're in the office, so it's about our profession. That That's true. Yeah, Michael's very confused about, yeah, what, what what's professional and what's not. Well, this has been fun, Randy. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight and your, your perspective and uh, you sharing it with so many great listeners all over the world. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're picking up listeners. We love doing this. And Bruce, where can people find this podcast? We should probably say it more often. Uh, this podcast is available on our hosting platform, anchor.fm slash lessons from the office. Uh, it is now owned by Spotify and you can find us on Spotify. Uh, we're also on Apple iTunes, which is now called Apple Podcasts. And we're on Google Podcasts. We are everywhere. Total world domination. Well, we enjoyed talking today. We hope you enjoyed listening, um, maybe more than we enjoyed talking. Um, And we can't wait to do this again. So we will see you next time on Lessons from the Office.